Great. Well, welcome to the show. You're with Giles today, and I'm excited because what I'm going to do today is play a recording of a recent mentorship group I had with my group of international evangelists. Remember that I mentor evangelists right around the world in different countries and different environments, cultures, religions, and so forth. And the glory is that the gospel message is for all mankind. And I like to say that it doesn't matter where you come, doesn't matter what your upbringing is. The youngest child and the deepest thinking professor can all get their heads around the gospel, such as its glory and depth. Um, but today I'm going to be sharing about how it's so important that we get the packaging right. We don't change the message, but we do need to change the packaging in order to connect. Uh, we have to have a great interface with people for them to actually open up their minds and their hearts to listen to what we have to say. So this is a really specific little teaching that I hope will be helpful about how you need to change the packaging but keep the content. And uh, for those of you who are believers, Christians in the ministry, either full-time or you run secular jobs, but obviously your highest calling is to be an ambassador for the kingdom, I think this could be really helpful for you to sharpen the way that you connect with other people about the gospel. After this little music, we'll get straight into that teaching. Evangelism touches on lots of different issues. Evangelism is a lifestyle. Evangelism can be done not just from the platform, uh, but it's in our daily lives. It can be done in different ways, through signs and wonders, through healing the sick, through providing food for the hungry, through providing clothes for the naked. Um, and so in a sense, everybody has to find their way, their anointing, their calling in the area of evangelism. My wife, for example, is one of the best evangelists I know. She's not a great platform speaker, but wow, she can get one-on-one -on -one with people and love on them and bless them and pray for them and help them and minister to them and counsel them. And, and she, she's got this wonderful way of, of seeing people because a lot of us, we look at people like we divide them, believer and non-believer, saint and sinner. And I understand that. There is a divide between the once born and the twice born, <laughs> those who are born again. But at the same time, as evangelists, we need to see the lost in friendly terms. We need to see them in faith terms. We need to see them as people who are not yet believers, but about to be believers. They're not believers because they haven't yet experienced the love of God or heard the grace of God. And I think one of the problems in evangelism is that we tend to treat people on the outside as if they're poisonous or contaminated or second class. And really, the scripture tells us that we should never consider people according to the flesh anymore. Second Corinthians 5 and 11, I think it is. And in other words, we need to see people through the blood of Jesus. So who they can be, not who they are. So we, they are called to be saints. We are called to be saints. So you're looking from a divine perspective rather than a human perspective at people. And when you do that, you'll find that you sort of have a 
real compassion and love for people. And so coming back to Sylvie, she she has this incredible manner of loving people and sharing with people. It doesn't matter if they're believers or unbelievers, doesn't matter background, doesn't matter color of skin, riches in the bank, language that they speak, age, you know, these outer things are so irrelevant. And I think that's one of the reasons why she is such an effective evangelist. Um, and I think a lot of big preachers are going to be surprised at the judgment seat of Christ because they'll find that people like her actually won more souls for Jesus than the big platform preachers. So I say all that to say, you know, we've got to find our own giftings, our own anointing. But remember what I've taught you in the past that we're all called to be evangelists. I, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about recently is the fact that um, our message is the same. It doesn't change. Isn't that right? So we've got nothing new to say. I, I'm going to teach more deeply on this. You know, we are, we're here to remind people of the promises in Christ Jesus. It's not that we're coming up with something new. We're reminding them of what's already been declared. And we need to do it because Satan works the whole time to, to lie into people's minds, to build strongholds, to deceive. You know, that's his work as the prince of darkness. So we, we're coming in with the light of the gospel. And it's not something new. It's not something that we've discovered for ourselves. This is apostolic doctrine. This is the Pauline revelation of the grace of God in Christ. So it's not new, but at the same time, our packaging needs to be new. I hope you can see the difference there. There's a difference between packaging and content. And sometimes if the packaging is very old, then people just aren't interested to pick up the package. So you have to reinvent the package. You have to change things on the outside. And that could mean language, that could mean in ter you know, terminology. Uh, that could be the way you present the gospel. You know, maybe today it's more effective not to give platform preach for an hour and a half. Maybe five minute nuggets are better. I don't know. I mean, just suggesting things. And when you change the package, it keeps things fresh. You know, I was listening to a friend of mine, a pastor doing a, a, semin a seminar. Really what he was teaching is old, old stuff. Old, old stuff that I've heard for the last 20, 30 years. But he just put it in a new package with, you know, with slides and a background and a weight, you know, and PowerPoint. And it just made it all completely fresh. And so people, the people who are participating in the seminar, their comments were, wow, this is so new. This is so incredible, you know. And it was as if it was completely new, but it wasn't new. It was just repackaged. So think about that a bit in your, your ministries, in your church, in your cell group. There's room for repackaging. There's room for reinvention on those things, not of the doctrine, the content, but of, of how you present things. And this is one of the reasons that I'm actually in favor of new translations of the Bible, even though I stick with the older translation as a base. But I mean, even this morning, I was doing my morning run. So I ran 10 kilometers first thing early morning. And I listened to the Bible, the audio Bible, but in the message version, if you know the message. And I was listening to the letters of Peter and John. And as I was running along, absolutely fantastic. And of course, 
the language that Eugene Peterson uses in the message version is so up to date and so fresh. And even though sometimes I think, hey, that doesn't really carry all the weight of what the older version says, it's not quite so good to expound. But at the same time, the fresh perspective he gives is really cool, really great, really helps you understand on a different angle. So recreate. You may have noticed I'm wearing a beard. (laughs) I don't normally have a beard, except for the fact that in January, I tend to let my face have a rest from its razor. So January is my time to just let my beard grow. But actually, I'm thinking I might keep it a bit longer. And it's partly because it's just different. It's just a fresh package. And that renews me as much as it renews people I meet. People come up and say, hey, Pastor Giles, you look different. What's going on? I say, yeah, lots of new things this year. New things. So there's nothing wrong with changing the packaging. Sometimes it's just good for you to go out and change your shirt, change your face a bit, change your haircut, change, I don't know, know, the bike you ride or the car you drive. Just to keep fresh because you are people of this generation. You're not the people of the last generation. Even though we can learn from the past and we need to honor the past and our elders and so forth. At the same time, we need to connect with this generation. And I'm not saying that therefore you have to become a fashion icon or you have to be bound by all the latest modes and and fashions. No, please, you don't need to be addicted to that or subjugated by that. But as an evangelist, there is that scripture that says, you know, to the Romans, we need to be like Romans to the Jews, like Jews to the Greeks, like Greeks. So I'm not saying you have to enter into every area of their life. Of course not. But if there are things that help you get the gospel out, then, you know, and it's packaging, then why are you making the package so important? Just change the package. Some people make gods out of their packaging. They make idols out of their packaging. You know, you can never change the church building. You can never change the clothes that were worn. I mean, why do some churches still wear the clothes that the clerics used three, four hundred years ago? If you think about it, it was fashionable then, but it's not fashionable today. It's not even practical. So these things have become idols. And an idol in the end will be a stumbling block because... People won't relate to you. They think you're from a different planet. They think you're irrelevant for today. So, you know, take these things into consideration. You know, I'm not, I'm not commanding you to do anything. I'm just asking you to consider the packaging, you know, and because in the end, packaging is important. You, you know, you've heard me say this probably before, but you could have the best content in the market, but if the packaging is dull. Nobody's going to even want to pick up the package to taste the content. You know, I like to use the example of cereal. Like, I don't know if you have in India or Africa, cornflakes is probably a worldwide cereal. How much, or or Frosties, my kids love sugar-coated cornflakes, Frosties, we call them here, or in Portuguese, sucrilhos. Really, if you look at the amount of investment that goes into the packaging, the bright blue with the orange cornflakes and the the shiny pictures and the nice smiley tiger and all this, you know, 
And, and really, it's the packaging that makes you pick up the product to follow. If you put the, the, the Frosties into a dull gray box, they ain't going to sell so well. So packaging is important. I've just written a book, and I will share it with you as soon as I publish it. But in Portuguese, it's called, it's called The Meeting Was Great. And it's to help pastors and leaders have really fantastic church meetings, church services and cell groups it's to create a really dynamic atmosphere. Because I believe that the church, the service should be the best event in town. You know, there should be queues at the door that people should be longing to get on there, arriving early, so happy that it's Sunday or Wednesday night, so full of expectation. But the reality is many church services are dull, are boring. People go just because of obligation. And that's for lots of different reasons. And so we need to help people make some changes. And to be honest, whilst obviously the most important thing is the content of the message, you know, what is being preached, actually things like packaging are also important. For example, if the environment is very uncomfortable, people can't find a place to sit or they get, they, you know, have to sit on an old hard chair for two and a half hours without moving, you know, and they're not used to that, then they might come and visit, but they won't stick. They won't come and be a member. They won't join the church. Same with cell groups. If the place isn't clean and tidy and welcoming, then they might visit you, but they won't come back. And so actually packaging, surface things, exterior things are really important too. And so we need to get that right, whether it be the lighting or the seating or the uh, fans or air conditioning or heating or, or you know, as I say, the, the, uh, the way people are welcomed, are they welcomed with smiles? Are they made to feel honored? You know, all these things are, are sort of superior, sorry, sorry, superficial, but they're really important to get people to come and get people to stick. So, it's, you know, I, I really mentioned that just to touch on this issue of packaging. So I'm going to release that book and you're going to see it deals with lots of different parts of the cell group and the service that will just help you make some changes, maybe in the air of practical stuff as well as spiritual stuff so that people have a really, really great experience. Yeah. So anyhow, I just took just a little word to get you going this morning on that. As evangelists, obviously, we need to be expert in that, okay, because we are fishermen. So a fisherman has to learn how to think like a fish, not what the fisherman wants to eat, but what the fish wants to eat. And even that's kind of interesting. Because so many evangelists get frustrated that people aren't interested in the message that they have to carry. But maybe they would be interested if you meet them at their point of need, first of all. I remember, for example, when I was a missionary in the Philippines, we would often use feeding programs to attract the crowds. And when they had had their bowl full of noodles or rice or whatever, then I would get up and preach. I did that so often with street kids as well. Manila, the capital, is full of kids on the street all day, all night. And so what I would do, and they would see me as the gringo, the foreigner. So they would all come up and hang around me and so forth. And so what I would do is I would go to a little street side restaurant 
And I would buy like a dozen bowls of rice and whatever, or noodles. I'd get all the kids to sit down in a circle around me and they would all start filling their faces with noodles and the smiles would be there. And as they were eating, then I would share the love of God. My point is, you know, packaging is important. Meeting people's needs is important. You know, even in today's age, maybe you're not where people are starving, but let's be honest, what is the world after? You know, the world wants a better future. You might not feel like you need Jesus, but I don't know anyone who doesn't want to have a better life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And, you know, I've noticed even in the way I package myself, for example, I live in a gated community here. When I arrived, you know, people are interested, why is there an Englishman here? So I would say things, oh, I'm a pastor or I'm an evangelist. And they were polite and they smiled. But really, that was the end of the conversation with many of them. So, but now when I meet people locally, you know, these kind of middle class people, when they ask me who I am, what I do, well, I say, well, I'm a motivational speaker and I'm a writer to help people better their lives. And all of them open up to me, all of them. They want to they get my advice. They want to hear. They want to know how to better their finances or their family, or they've got a problem with the teenage child, or, you know, they want to get fitter or healthier. And so I meet them at their point of need. I scratch them where they're itching. And in the process of doing that, they get to know my heart. And then I obviously get to point them to the source of life, which is Jesus Christ and the grace of God. So what I'm talking about is packaging. And yet some people refuse to change the packaging, you know, but as a fisherman, you need to at times, you need to change the bait. Are you hearing? So don't make an idol out of your packaging. Because some people would say to me, ah, you've denied the faith. No, I didn't deny the faith. I just introduced myself as something a little bit different. Why do I have to go around saying I'm an evangelist if that's going to close people's hearts? People don't even know what an evangelist is or they think it's something religious. And if you think about it, it's religion that's, you know, the thought of being religious stops people coming to Christ. I remember when I first heard the gospel, these two lovely young ladies who were full of the Holy Spirit came to stay with me in Australia. I just couldn't understand it because I said, but aren't you religious? You, you, you don't seem to be religious. I'm, you know, what's going on here? I thought Christians were religious people, but you're so full of fun and life and, and joy. See, religion was stopping me. The thought that somebody is religious stopped me wanting to know them and follow them. But when I saw the person was full of a life and a great life and vision and joy and going, I said, hey, Tell me all about yourselves. What are you on? What, what drug are you taking? <laughs> you know, and they said, well, it's not drugs. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit. You know, and the, so I was immediately hooked by the promise of a better life. This is all packaging, guys. And so we need to be wise. Like I say, um, you know, some people, they refuse to change their titles, their clothes, the image of their church or, or whatever. But I'm saying be flexible in those areas. Be flexible in those. Don't change the message, but be flexible in the packaging. Yep. Hallelujah. I'm trying to help you be, be wise. And of course, and so, for example, I launched a mentoring program here in Brazil that's called The High Life, or, or let's say a better, better translation is The Elevated Life. What I did was I said, look, 
we've all been given this elevated life because the scripture says that we're now seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So we were elevated, not because of our goodness or of our, because of our power, but because of his goodness and his power. He's given that to us. Um, but the truth and, and, and that elevated life, there's three types of life, eternal life, abundant life and long, healthy life. So, you know, it includes all those areas. Um, but the reality is, as you guys all know, very few people actually experience the elevated life. They may be saved, but, you know, to, to have overflow in every other area. Many Christians live a low life rather than a high life. And so I, I established this mentoring program really with, you know, to help people experience it. But I said to them that it's got to be more than a training program, because if it's just that, then, then it's just going to be information. So the good thing about mentoring is that you walk with somebody day after day for a period of time. And of course, it's in that daily coaching or that daily mentoring, um, new habits and routines are created. And if you believe what coaches tend to say, and I, I believe this, or psychologists, that you can't create a new habit in less than 21 days. Um, I think it's a bit more personally, but, but anyhow, you need a period of time doing that same thing until it becomes a habit. In fact, I was using the example of my, my dog. <laughs> it seems a very basic example, but the dog that I have, sometimes you see her sitting behind me here. She's a a Shetland Collie, beautiful nature, very gentle dog. Actually, I received that dog. The dog, the dog's owner was the mother of Pastor Eloisio, and she became quite ill, immobile, and so she couldn't look after the dog anymore. And so we took on the dog. But interestingly, the dog, for all of its life, really had lived an indoor life, never taken for a walk, and you know, had quite a limited uh, exercise program, very limited. When she came to us, I live in this gated community and we're a very active family, sporty family. And also in my upbringing, you always walk a dog, especially a medium size or a large dog. You got to walk it every day because if you don't, then that dog will start tearing up the sofa, barking a lot, pooing and peeing everywhere. And so if you're going to have a dog, you got to look after it properly keep it healthy. And so we started walking the dog in the morning and in the evening. But what was the problem? The dog wasn't accustomed to going for a walk and she would resist. She would lie flat on the ground and I would have to pull her along with the lead. And she would pull back and she hated going for a walk, literally. And so I forced her and forced her and forced her and I got the kids and we had to pick her up and push her out the door. <laughs> but listen to me. You know, after about a month, that dog now, every morning when I come downstairs and I get up really early, you know, she's there ready for her morning walk. Comes five or six in the evening and she'll come into my office here. And if I'm still here, she'll put her paws here and she'll and she's literally talking to me. And she's saying, hey, dad, it's time for the walk. So the point is this. I created a new routine in her. And now I don't have to ask her to do it. She comes and asks me to do it. Now, I have exactly the same experience with training, with running. Like I said, I ran 10K this morning. But actually, it's not so much me who's running. It's now my body that demands that I run because it, it's become accustomed to it. And so, but you can only get to that kind of level of, of 
dedication, of discipline, which obviously gives you a high life. I mean, that gives me a healthy life. Hallelujah. But you can only get that not by watching a training program. You can only get that by routine. By And routine you only get by mentoring. Because the reason why you don't do certain things is because you don't have the self-discipline to do it. Let me help you here a little bit. I'm not here to criticize or condemn because all of us struggle with discipline in certain areas. And also, people who are very creative often tend to be the least self-disciplined. So very artistic people, they tend to be people with terrible routines. They, they sleep late at night, they get up late in the morning, they eat whenever they want, they, you know, they, they're, just, they're just a kind of mess in terms of structure and routine, but they're really, really brilliant at painting pictures or composing a song or writing a book or thinking of a brilliant sales strategy. So creative people often aren't very well disciplined. And that's why in the past, lots of creative people actually haven't prospered. It's even only after their death, when somebody finds their books or their art or their music or whatever, and packages it and structures it and publishes it, that the, the, pe- the next generation prosper, but they don't themselves because they've lacked that discipline in their own lives, that area of involvement or development. And so what a mentoring program does is that it takes you by the hand, day by day, step by step, for a period of time so that a new routine, new habits are formed. It's one of the main things about mentoring. So you give the person the vision and then every day they're receiving something from you and then you meet regularly online and you say how you're doing towards those goals and what adjustments can we make. And it's in that process that actually then they um, you know, can really change their lives. And, and pictorially, I see it rather like a plane on the runway. So, so the, the objective of the plane is to fly, not to stay on the runway. The same with us. You know, God has given us this elevated life, a life of flying high. But most Christians stay on the runway. So what does a mentoring program do? Well, it gives you the direction and it gives you the gas to get off the runway, to get going. Once you're flying, it's kind of like, God bless you, you're on your own now. You know, you don't need the mentor now. You're already flying. You can go, 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 go fulfill your your purpose in life now. But the mentor gets you up to that next level. So I say all that to say that I can see the real power in mentoring. I'm seeing it in my Brazilian group uh, that I've been doing with them. This will be one area that I want to offer in the future in English as well, because I, I really want to, I, I, you know, I want to be effective in the way that uh, I help people. And I, I'm not just interested in having meetings. I'm interested in, in um, you know, helping you guys really be fruitful and fulfill your dreams. Your success is my success kind of thing, you know, father to son. You know, the, the glory of the father is in the victories of the sons. So your victories will be, will be my celebrations kind of thing. Hallelujah. Wonderful. Well, I do hope you enjoyed that. And I just want to mention right now that next week I'm going to be teaching about how you can have wisdom to really accelerate your results and blessings 
this year. So it's a vital teaching for those of you who are just really wanting to see faster, healthier growth at all levels of life. Okay, so tune in next week. Look forward to being with you. And uh, from me, Giles Stevens and uh, my team here, God bless you. Have a week of victory. Fly higher, go further, do more because of the grace of God. Bless you now.